0: This is Generation Justice. I'm Sam Lechuga.
1: and I'm Christina Rodriguez. Generation Justice is a multimedia movement to train youth to harness the power of media for social change.
0: New Mexico is known for having many issues, but at GJ, we honor the people and organizations who work tirelessly to make our state a place for all of us to thrive. Tonight, we're featuring local youth leaders in our community and highlighting the issues that they organize and stand for.
1: First, we'll get to hear from three youth leaders, Marisa Vigil, Hope Alvarado, and Ernesto Godina. These youth are organizing against the curfew that is being proposed by the Albuquerque City Council. They have come to share some of their own stories.
0: There is a myth that youth do not hold wisdom. Tonight, we debunk that myth and share some wisdom from our very own Isidine Mustafa, who has been organizing locally, nationally, and internationally for over eight years.
1: Our community is rich, rich with amazing people and ways to learn, share, and enjoy where we live. So our community calendar is full of events and activities that you will want to know about.
0: Tonight we kick off our show with some great jams from our DJ Moises Villanueva.
2: Hey guys, this is Moises Villanueva, the music host for tonight's show. The first song the first song I will get you guys started off with is Bob Marley's song, Get Up and Stand Up. I chose this song because it tells you to stand up for what you believe in.
0: Albuquerque lawmakers are considering reevaluating a teen curfew that was ruled unconstitutional almost 20 years ago.
1: This proposal to change state law will be discussed at tomorrow's City Council meeting.
0: To help us learn more, we welcome Marisa Vigil, Hope Alvarado, and Ernesto Godina.
1: So again, I just want to welcome all of you live in the studio with us here tonight. And I know all of you have been active in the local organizing community, making sure that we have a voice and we are taking a stand about this new proposed curfew. And so I just want to welcome you here and thank you all for joining us tonight. To start off, can you each of you tell me a little bit more about yourselves?
3: I'm Marissa Hill. I work with New Mexico Child Advocacy Network, so we work with the foster youth population. I'm 21 years old, I live in Albuquerque for four years now. I grew up in Las Vegas, New Mexico, which is a very small town. And I stand against this.
4: Hi, my name is Hope Alvarado, and I am 19, I currently attend UNM. Um, I work with the New Mexico Forum for Youth, and we focus on barriers, employment, and other opportunities and resources for youth. I also stand in solidarity against this curfew.
5: Hello, my name is Ernesto Um I am a freshman at Highland High. Teen, I am a teen under 18, and I oppose of this curfew.
1: Do you mind telling us a little bit more about this curfew that is being proposed? All
4: so the curfew that is being proposed um, is a curfew that is directly gonna impact youth, um, more so in a negative light rather than a positive, just because this curfew has been implemented twenty t- about 20 years ago in the 1990s, and it only lasted for about a year, and we got rid of it, and we've actually seen some improvement from then. We Our crime rates have dropped from, dropped 65% since then and it continues to drop from inside the Bernalillo County today. This, a curfew that would be implemented could cause a lot of repercussions to not only youth but also parents and to college students and it could have a very, very large impact on our community.
1: And where do you think this proposal came from? Why is this coming up
4: again? I believe that this proposal, um, the implementation of a curfew, was brought up because we are in a we're 49th in the state in the state for a child well-being crisis, and recently inside the Albuquerque community, we have had a series of events that have gone on um, that are centered around youth, um, and they have not been they haven't been the most positive, and I feel like this curfew was trending. Um, at the time, just because we need to do something, we, need a, we have to change something in our community to better it. And at the time, a curfew seemed like the best idea. But now that we're starting to look into it and get more missing links and study, do a lot more studies about it, um, it could be proven to be a problem more so than a solution.
1: I appreciate you sharing that with us, Hope, and I know that all of you have been attending meetings or protests about this proposed curfew, so do you mind telling me why did you choose to attend that? Why did you choose to organize around it?
5: Well, I chose to oppose from this curfew was it's gonna affect me and other youth, my friends, even, like, we th- like getting arrested or getting, like, violated or, like, being, like, targeted you think you're young, it's like against your right. and like just getting arrested for going studying or just like watching on the going on, on a weekend just going to a movie at 9:30 with like your parents or not even with your parents, your friends and just being arrested and now that your name's in the system, how are' you gonna get a job? And parents tell us you guys are gonna get a future. you're gonna live the big world soon. but once our name is in the system, how are we going to get a job? What's our future going to look like now?
3: Thank you for sharing that Ernesto. How about you? I'm against this because I'm a single mom. I have a little boy and soon enough he's going to be in this generation, this age group. And it's hard because I barely make enough money for my rent, for food, for my everyday living and if my son came home because he was at the movies with his friends and he's like oh I had to pay so much for this or I got arrested for this how am I supposed to go to my son and say how well I don't have money for that like I don't know how to how I can help you and it's not that I think that kids should shouldn't have a law or like, well, I think that there shouldn't be a law, but I don't think that it's has to do with the children. I think that it has to do with the parents because if the parents are allowing these kids to go out and do these things and to get in trouble. Like that goes back to your parenting and how you set your standards for your kids and asking them where they're at, where they're going and who they're going to be with. And those kinds of things are really essential to parenting. And if those key points aren't there more than likely those kids are going to end up in a place where they shouldn't be and then now with this if this passes like it just decriminalizes these youth for no apparent reason.
1: Exactly. Thank you for sharing that Marisa because I think that is really important that we have to look at the relationship between parenting and the law and where are we overstepping those boundaries because why was this like getting rid of 20 years ago? Why was it unconstitutional then? Do any of you guys
4: have any opinions on why this is unconstitutional? I believe that this is unconstitutional because rolling back protections while in a child well-being crisis, being 49th in the country um, with child well-being, you know, this curfew has not proven to be the most positive way to discipline or even bring justice to our community. Rolling back these protections will prove to be a lot more negative because, I mean, we have statistics to show, we have history to show. You know, we shouldn't be focusing on the deficit of looking at youth as all criminals. We shouldn't be focusing on, you know, the fact that these youth are creating or um, doing crimes. In reality, we should be looking deeper into the project. We should be looking, not project, into the community, into our youth. There, This is a big problem. We shouldn't be trying to put, slap a little bandaid on it. Um, and that's what this curfew is. We should be looking into intervention and prevention programs. We could be looking into after-school programs for youth. We could be looking for programs that specifically target youth who have mental illness or even just investing in short-term or temporary or permanent living services for homeless youth. There's so much more that we could be spending that money on to uplift our families and our youth rather than bring them down by, by charging them with things because our the reality is our families and our youth are struggling, and this state is struggling, and we should be trying to fix the problem, not create a bigger one. And youth should be looked at as the solution and not the problem.
1: Thank you for that hope. And what were some of the results from
4: this law twenty years ago? Like how have things changed or not changed? Um, from the studies that we have done um, at SWAP and at the New Mexico Forum, and all of the research that we've done is that Bernalillo County itself has had a decrease of criminal rates, especially even with youth, since the 1990s. It's a 65% drop. So we have seen improvement from the 1990s whenever we got rid of the curfew and here we're bringing it back. So that's one thing that I see as a big problem. Um, and it's also been proven that intervention and prevention programs and even after school programs, all of those work. Why, why aren't we investing in those?
1: I, I want to thank you again for sharing that with us. And I think hearing your personal experiences really helps to put this into perspective because your voices aren't really being seen in the mainstream media as they characterize you as just... Only as a youth, you are just the youth when this is affecting you so much. So, would any of you be willing to share some personal experiences of why this is important to you?
5: Um, my personal experience is, um, I'm the, I'm like one of those teens who only relies on a single parent. I l- only live with my mother, but I also have siblings, and she works two jobs, so I'm, um, I mostly rely on her, and like, if like it is fixed, well, costly or more low-income families so like if I come home with a bunch of tickets how's my mom gonna pay for that just it's just wrong it's just more pressure on parents and on the youth it's just gonna bring more problems to everyone do you
1: have any personal experiences Marisa
3: Um, my personal experience is more as how I see my, how it would affect my son and me as a parent. Like if I was going to the grocery store to buy formula for my baby and I'm getting harassed by, um, a police officer or where's your ID? How old are you? Um, where are you supposed to be? Where are your parents? And I'm like, I'm 21 years old officer. There's no reason for you to be in my face asking me this because the way I look or the way I come off or the way I'm dressed, whatever it is, like, it's just, it's Discriminating, and that's not okay. We already have issues with our police department nowadays, and um, this will just make it in a more uglier lens, pretty much. Because there are people against this, and there's people for it, and sometimes that eye through the media isn't always what it seems. And so, I think this really impacts me because of the, even the youth that I work with, I work with foster youth specifically. And so scientifically, youth that are involved in the system are more likely to repeat the cycle. And once you're in the cycle, then it's hard to get out of there. It's hard to try to escape that and have your kids escape that. And as a former foster youth, I know plenty of times that I was out when I wasn't supposed to maybe. And at that time, like, I was more worried about my safety of running away or whatever it was, Like I was more worried about my safety than having to pay these tickets. So for that, I always look at the shoes of other youth, so how it would impact them. Thank you for that Marisa and I I just
1: think that is really important your personal stories are powerful like hearing that it opens my eyes it opens the eyes of the community and this impacts all of us not just the youth it could be the youth that look like we're under 18 and it could be the families and the parents as well and and so for the city council meeting tomorrow what kind of responses are you expecting or what kind of responses have you received so far?
4: Okay, some of the responses that I've received is I've received um, both on both ends, positive and negative. Some of the responses have been, you know, you're too young, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're talking about. And in the other lens, it's like, you know, thank you. Thank you for speaking on my behalf. Thank you for advocating for homeless youth. Thank you for for, you know, speaking up because right now youth voice is the missing link in all of our system. All of our systems, governing systems, and our education system everywhere, and we should be trying to advocate for those youth and all of those missing pieces because to build a, a really good puzzle, you need to have all of those pieces. And I feel like that's that's really important. Also, looking at it from a from an another perspective of what about those small businesses that are open after hours? What about prom that is going to be you know, that's held at night or even. Just the capacity that we have inside the facilities, we're going to be criminalizing youth. We're going to be taking them if, our, if the parents don't call on or answer the phone call from the police officers. You know, we don't have enough capacity for that, and we're, we're already depleted in our resources. We don't have enough police officers. We're just going to be draining it even farther. And that can be really devastating, not only to our economy, but, but to our community and our youth specifically because we are gonna be criminalizing them. We are gonna be profiling our college students and our youth and this isn't the posit- most positive way to reach things or to even solve the problem.
5: Um, the responses I've gotten is um, um, some parents have thanked me on the positive way. They're like, thank you for speaking over me. I, like I know some parents have told me that they've worked two, three, four jobs just to support their kids. And they're like, thank you. I was just like, I don't want my kids being arrested or just for some small thing. Like I want my kids having a future that not working three or four jobs like I have been doing. Like I want them one solid job, get a career and a life of a good future for them ahead of time. And like the bad negative comments that I've gotten is youth voice, teen voice is nothing. It's not worth anything. And like to me, that's just wrong. It's just." We're New Mexico's, Albuquerque's, America's future. We're the ones who are gonna make the city better. And one, like, parents think that one youth is all of us, but all youth is everybody.
1: Thank you so much for that, Ernesto. I I totally agree that this work that you're doing is amazing and you're defying so many stereotypes and breaking those limits that they keep trying to push on the youth. And I really admire that and I value that. So thank you. And is there something that our listeners can do
4: to take action about this issue? Um, One of the things that our listeners could do and our community could do is go out to the city council tomorrow and support us and go out there and even like offer some public comments of their experiences or what they believe um, and how this could be implemented and harm their their youth. It's really important to get involved. So tomorrow at the Civic Plaza at 4 p.m. is going to be our press conference and at 5 p.m. will be public comments, and there's 30 slots open for whoever signs up to speak. And We totally welcome the community to come out and support us or come out and give their opinions on the subject. That'd be very helpful. Great, thank you. Is there anything else that any of you would like to add? I would like to add just a a whole different perspective looking at it from our homeless population. We have a lot of youth that are homeless, and for my three years in high school I was homeless and I was just looking, I already faced barriers and obstacles such as like where am I going to live, where, can I even find a job, what am I going to eat, you know, how can I get some clothes or even just like a toothbrush and criminalizing those youth that are sleeping outside whether it's on benches and slides, couch surfing, you know, that's not the right way, we should should be um, focusing on positive developments for youth. So for example like intervention prevention programs all of those different services that we know work because we shouldn't be further criminalizing youth inside a child well-being crisis because, I mean, that's not going to help. Negative and negative doesn't make a positive. So I feel like we need to definitely improve our discipline areas. Curfew is definitely not the right way. We should be uplifting our families and youth because youth are the solution and not the problem. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really feel honored to be here and
1: to share this space with you and to be able to get your voices on the air and just to share this because this is so important to me and to our community. And I just want to thank you again for that. Thank you.
0: You know, I'd like to want to thank each and every one of you guys for coming out and, you know, realizing that youth does have a voice, you know, and standing up for those that, you know, don't have the guts or ganas too. Um and I want to say uh, what Ernesto said. Uh, one youth does not represent us all. We all represent the youth, and you know I feel strongly about that. You know, you can't stereotype a you know a youth for the actions of few. You know, you can't stereotype the many. And you know, as Hope also said, you know, youth is the solution. You know, we are not the problem; we are the solution. So, thank you guys for coming out and speaking for in behalf
2: of the youth.
1: Again, thank you guys so much. And now back to our music host tonight, Moises Villanueva.
2: The next song you are going to hear is Shallow Waters by Takia Pelin. This song was chosen by Tamara, and I really like the positive lyrics.
1: The Youth Employment Summer Institute, also known as YES, gave over 75 youth in New Mexico an opportunity to be employed by local organizations over the summer.
0: At the YES closing convening, GJ's own Izidine Mustafa was selected as YES keynote speaker.
1: Here is Izzedine with what he's learned from organizing over the years.
6: Hello, everybody. My name is Izzedine Mustafa, a.k.a. Izzy, and I'm 23 years old. I'm a YES intern with Generation Justice. Even though I'm only 23, I have been organizing for over eight years now in different spaces and communities, locally, nationally, and internationally. I first started organizing when I was a sophomore at La Cueva High School at the age of 15 with a local Palestine Solidarity organization. Being Palestinian myself... It was important that I organized and advocated for my people and my family overseas who have been oppressed for over 67 years. I have organized some spaces around Palestinian solidarity issues by being a part of the local Students for Justice in Palestine chapter, as well as being on the board of National Students for Justice in Palestine. I have also been organizing internationally with organizations in Palestine and around the world that advocate for Palestinian human rights. When I started in high school organizing around issues of Palestine, I became more aware that there was a lot going on in my local community that I didn't realize connected to the issues I was already working on. There were issues here that needed to be addressed, such as racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia, corruption, and so much more. That's when the opportunity arose for me to be a youth member of Generation Justice. I was finishing up my junior year in high school, and I received a Facebook message from the youth coordinator at the local mosque that I grew up in. He told me that this opportunity would be perfect for me because its foundation was based in creating media and social justice, both things I'm very passionate about. I applied, had an interview, and a week later, I was a youth member of Generation Justice. And being a part of Generation Justice has changed my life for the better. Being a part of Generation Justice has opened the doors for me to be more involved in my local community and connect with members of this community and work towards the betterment of Albuquerque and New Mexico as a whole. Though my main focus for most of my organizing life has revolved around Palestine solidarity organizing, I never ignored the fact that work here needed to be done. I consistently lived out the motto, think globally, organize locally. With my experience organizing in different communities here in Albuquerque, on a national level, and in Palestine, I've learned a few things along the way. I've learned the good, the bad, and what could be worked on and how organizing culture is very similar around the world working on different issues. So here are a few things I'd like to share with you all to take with you as you continue your journey to follow your passions and work towards the betterment of your community and the world. Number one, be 100% authentic with yourself. Liberating yourself is the first step to helping liberate those around you. As somebody who has struggled with finding my identity and coming to terms with it, I found out that after I liberated myself, i become more confident and driven to continue to organize to fight for the liberation of all oppressed people. Number two, be true to your word and take action. The words you say can make an impact, but the action you take is what makes the change. Number three, create healthy spaces. We advocate for creating healthy communities, but let's create healthy spaces within our own lives. We use buzz phrases like self-care and creating healthy communities, but we hardly spend the time to do that in our own lives. Organizing gets stressful and time-consuming, where we rarely have time to do right for ourselves. It's important to take a step back and realize that you cannot take care of the needs of others until you take care of the needs of yourself. The great Audre Lorde has said, Caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Number four. Create equitable spaces. Equity is something all organizers and communities strive for. But what does it mean when there isn't equity amongst your own organization? An example of this is look around and see who does the grunt work in your community. My experience in all different organizing spaces I've been a part of, I've seen that the women take a lot of the burden when running an organization, while the men have all the glitz and glamour. There needs to be a shift in organizing culture where equity exists and is practiced in your everyday lives. Number five, be empowered in your personal lives and know your value. Youth are often taken advantage of in different aspects of their lives. Know that you bring a lot to the table when it comes to organizing and in your personal lives. Everybody leads and you yourself are a leader in every part of your life. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Number six. Don't let the money divide us. Let's get innovative. Community organizations are broke, and that's the truth. Right now, all over the country and all over the world, organizations are competing against each other to get funding by big foundations. This should not be a competition. We should work together. There needs to be more innovation, just like the YES program, that brings organizations together to collaborate and bring opportunity to young people. Organizations have been struggling since the beginning of the struggle. So let's break the cycle and find ways to sustain ourselves so we don't rely on the man. Number seven, never think you know it all because there's always much more to learn. You learn and you unlearn throughout your life. Listening has been a tool for me to continue to grow as an organizer. Listen and learn from your elders, your mentors, your peers, and from your own experiences. Number eight, we go fast alone, but we go further together. This past summer, we have seen movements come together and connect struggles across the country and the world. From Black Lives Matter to immigrant rights to the issue of Palestine and indigenous rights. Here in Albuquerque, we also have issues that connect. Examples such as homelessness, police brutality, LGBTQ rights, women's rights, racism, immigrant rights, environmental rights, and education. All of these issues are connected. So let's continue to work together and find our common threads of struggle and build a powerful base. Number nine. We aren't the future. We are today. Who put in the work over this past summer? Who puts in the work during the school year? We are the change of today and tomorrow. Youth voice matters and the work we're putting in makes a difference. We are making noise. We are changing discourse. We are putting in the work today so we can continue to progress towards the future. Number 10. Do it with the love of your heart and the passion of your communities. Love and passion must be the driving force of our work. The love of our families, our friends, our communities, our world, and ourselves. I'm going to leave you with something. Something that I heard from an elder last week when a group of organizers from the Black Lives Matter movement came through Albuquerque. Albino from La Placita Institute said, There's a difference between a warrior and a soldier. A soldier is somebody who fights and organizes for the hate of their enemy. A warrior is somebody who fights and organizes for the love of their people. We are the warriors of our communities. Thank you to all the youth. Thank you to Generation Justice. Thank you to our elders, our community leaders who have been guiding us. I look forward to continuing to work with you all to better our community here in Albuquerque and in New Mexico.
0: This was a very powerful speech. What really stood out was Albino Garcia's quote about the difference between a soldier and a warrior. As Albino said, a soldier will fight and organize for the hate of the enemy, whereas a warrior will fight and organize for the love of their people. As someone who's been a soldier in the past, I want to step out of my comfort zone and become a warrior. I don't want to fight for what is right. I want to live for what is right.
1: I agree, Sam. We all need to be warriors in all areas of our lives. I appreciate that Izzedine reminds us that we need to take that love of ourselves and that love of our people and find the courage to stand up for what is right.
0: Thank you, Izzedine, for sharing your story and knowledge.
1: Now let's hand it off to our DJ tonight, Moises Villanueva.
2: This song was requested by my good friend Easy. It's called A Hobby by Dem. Here it goes.
6: مع مين مفتح الطيارة معاكم مفتح الطيارة
0: Despite the issues that New Mexico is known for, we still have amazing people that are working to better our community.
3: It's
1: now that time on the show where we have the opportunity to share some exciting local events.
0: Here are our wonderful calendar hosts tonight, Tamara Kalaki and Brennan Olivier.
7: Welcome to this week's exciting edition of Community Calendar. I'm Tamara Kalaki.
8: And I'm Brennan Olivier.
7: We have plenty of community events we like to share with you.
8: All right, Tamara. Let's get it started. In here. But the events are happening and happening out there.
7: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right, Brandon, because on August 18th, from 7pm to 8.30pm, there will be a Bosque Moonlight Hike. The tour begins from the Tingley Cafe train station. Remember to meet at the doors facing Tingley Drive.
2: During
8: this guided tour, you'll travel to the Bosque Wetlands to look for bats, hoot for owls, and search for other nocturnal animals. Bring your flashlight and your sense of adventure as you hike through the woods.
7: Hey, you might even run into Sasquatch.
8: You never know unless you find out.
7: That's true.
8: For more info, contact ABQ Biopark at 505-848-7180.
7: Well, if you're not keen on hiking this week, we also have an event for all the music lovers.
8: That's great. Get your dancing shoes on for those Von Von. For the past four decades, Los Van Van has been showing the world that Cuban music is alive and well and very, very danceable.
7: This musical journey to Cuba will be held at the National Hispanic Cultural Center on Wednesday, August 19th at 7.30 p.m.
8: For more information, call the National Hispanic Cultural Center at 505-246-2261.
7: Another event going on this week is a presentation by Lacey Green on Thursday, August 20th at 7.30 p.m. This event will be held at the University of New Mexico Student Union Building. Lacey Green is the creator of the Internet's most popular sex education show on YouTube called Sex Plus.
8: Lacey is going to talk about our culture's attitudes and responses to sexual violence in her presentation titled, Taking Down Rape Culture.
7: It is great to have leaders creating platforms to talk about these serious issues in our society, thanks to the efforts of the UNM Women's Resource Center for bringing this presentation to our community.
8: For more info, please visit Lacey Green, Taking Down Rape Culture on Facebook or contact the UNM Women's Resource Center at 505 277 Three, seven, one, six.
7: Ticket info can also be found at unmtickets.com.
8: Have you ever wanted to live a healthier lifestyle but didn't know where to start? Well, Salud y Sabord, Be Healthy Latin Style, is the right event for you. Salud y Sabord is a partnership between the Agricultura Network, Street Food Institute, and the NHCC. It is a free evening of food, art, and entertainment aimed at providing families with an opportunity to connect around nutrition, cooking, healthy lifestyles, and culture.
7: It will, it will be held on Thursday, August 20th from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m.
8: And it will take place at the National Hispanic Cultural Center.
7: For more information, contact Elena Baca at 505-246-2261, extension 167.
8: Hey, Tam, I know you're into films. Have you heard about the screening of Screaming Queens, the riot at Compton's Cafeteria?
7: Yeah, of course. It will will also be held Friday, August 21st at 6.30 p.m. at the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice.
8: Did you know that three years before Stonewall, on a hot August night in San Francisco, what would be known as the Compton Cafeteria riots occurred? The riots at Jean Compton's cafeteria were the first direct action of transgender resistance that that resulted in institutional change.
7: The community also was constantly experiencing police brutality, social oppression, harassment, gender policing, abuse, and discrimination, but on that late summer night in 1966, enough was enough and the results were the Compton cafeteria riots.
8: Come together as a community to honor the pioneers of the past and those who still face adversity today. But they push on and fight back against the struggles of the gender variant community.
7: For additional information visit Before the Fight for Rights at Stonewall came the Compton Cafeteria on Facebook or contact Albuquerque Peace and Justice Center at 505-268-9557.
8: Wow! I can't believe, it's almost, believe summer is almost over. I wish I could make all these events, but I will be starting school tomorrow.
7: That's right, Brennan. It's that time to get back on track, and I wish all the students the best in their new school year.
8: Thank you, Tamara, and I also wish all the students out there a great school year.
7: And that's all for our community calendar, folks. I'm Tamara Kalaki.
8: And I'm Brennan Olivier.
7: And now back to our hosts, Sam and Christina. Thank you, Brennan and Tamara, for that awesome
1: community calendar.
0: Introducing our next song is DJ Moises Villanueva.
2: Next up is Amasaji Privilege, which means friendship previews by positive youth.
0: Thank you all for joining us this evening as we explored the issues that our youth organizers are facing and honoring them as true warriors of our community.
1: Huge thanks to Marisa Vigil, Hope Alvarado, and Ernesto Godina for coming into the studio and speaking with us.
0: And we also want to thank Isadine Mustafa for that inspirational speech.
1: And shout out to our fabulous community calendar hosts, Tamara Kalaki and Brennan Olivier. I also want to take this opportunity to welcome into our GJ family, Brennan Olivia, Music host, Moises Villanueva, and my co-host, Sam Lechuga.
0: Moises Villanueva did a great job DJing <laughs> it up tonight.
1: Production assistance from tonight's program came from George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, Roberta Royale, and Camaria Umi.
0: And last but certainly not least, much appreci- appreciation to you all of our youth members here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you.
1: And stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see our music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. And our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe.
0: We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McKeon Foundation, Con Alma Health Foundation, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm Christina Rodriguez.
0: And I'm Simon Achuga. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and we'll see you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Peace,
2: love, and happiness to you all.
1: Now to wrap up our show, here's DJ Moises Villanueva.
2: Closing music for tonight will be Great Things by nervib bin Doom After this we will hear You Got Love by Flores and the Machine Then it's El Immigrant by Calibre 50 Then the last song will be Here is the Acoustic Version of Youth Nation by POD uh, Yeah yeah Emperor in the Road I'm a Yeah
8: hey, wait. Okay. Doom, the